Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 67. So tonight we're going to discuss Xcode editor extensions and everything that there is about them, how you do them, and what's already out there. So, Alex, you want to describe them real quick to us? Yeah, yeah. So, um, we're used to extensions in iOS, and uh, this year they brought extensions to Xcode, and we've had kind of a unofficial way of adding plugins and uh, capabilities to Xcode, but nothing officially supported. And this year we've got a an official path to extending what's in Xcode. Uh, so far, it's just limited to the source code editor, uh, but they have asked for uh, suggestions, feedback from the community about what other types of extensions people would like to see. So we can expect that to, to be expanded in the future. Yeah, so these things are basically app extensions. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're built on the same kind of base as uh, other types of app extensions. Uh, this one just happens to be specific to Xcode. And, and basically for app extensions, your app has to give some extension points to other apps. And so in Xcode, they've unleashed upon us these uh, source editor extensions. And they pretty much only deal with the active source editor. Is that correct? That's correct. At the moment, they seem to be limited to just a this single source file, the, what's actively um, being edited. And you implement a protocol and a command, and you get a your your limited uh, injection point is the a command in um, the file menu. So you get a submenu, and you can add multiple commands for a single extension, but you can only act on the source of that file. Right. Yeah. So also, you could add a shortcut to that as well yeah so the user i believe i don't think you can add it programmatically i think the user of the extension has to add a shortcut for your commands uh, for the developer commands yeah uh, that, but, that's pretty much what i saw i've got a feeling like when uh these start shipping i guess there's some open source ones now but like legit ones that people make uh they're gonna have like a ui in their app that's like all right, here's your preferences, and if you want to make it a shortcut command, here's how you do it. It'll probably, because there's not much else to put in the, the actual application, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one thing that kind of interested me was that these things are sandboxed as well, and you either have to sign the app and distribute it on your own or through the Mac App Store. Yes. So this is Apple kind of, continuing along the same path in terms of security and stability uh, with the type of extensions that they allow. So uh, this is no exception. Uh, the downside is it means th these alternative uh, plugin approaches like Alcatraz, uh, which a lot of people have installed and use, uh, will no longer work um, because uh, Xcode will not load frameworks that are not signed. and 
this is I think most people would agree that's a good thing. I mean, we've seen in recent uh, months or uh, within the last year or two, uh, Xcode being compromised, the Xcode ghost malware being the the, the big one. Uh, so uh, it, it's definitely happened where where people have had compromised versions of Xcode. So I, I can see why Apple would not want uh, unsigned third-party code loaded in. Yeah, I mean, it really is kind of a, a bummer. I, I get, you know, if if it wasn't for the Xcode Go stuff, then I would probably be pissed. But I guess I'm just kind of accepting a little bit of disgruntled, I don't know, I just wish there would be some way to keep all the functionality that you could do with the the old plugins. Yeah. All right. And I, I think that's where um, the community has an opportunity to submit feedback and ask for additional extension points that will allow some of these other plugins to, to work. Because um, Alcatraz does far more than just single source file um, extensions. It, it can do, uh, the, there's probably hundreds of, of plugins that are distributed through Alcatraz. Personally though, like every time Xcode gets updated, I have to uninstall Alcatraz, do the update, or Xcode gets kind of screwed up, um, and then once I get Xcode installed again, I have to reinstall, wait for Alcatraz to be updated to be compatible with the current version, and then reinstall Alcatraz. Uh, so I personally, I kind of gave up on Alcatraz because it just became kind of a hassle. Yeah, I think we, that might be the one good thing about this is you know Alcatraz was kind of a user experience uh, nightmare for the most part, just getting it installed, and you gotta trust some other random guy's code to run an Xcode and all that stuff. And I mean, yeah, now Apple is like, here is the blessed way to do it. Maybe people will come up with some cool ideas now that it's kind of like the, the whole thought of, you know, a lot of independent coffee shops uh, picked up business when Starbucks came into town. Like maybe that's kind of what will happen here. And people just, be like, oh, now I can look into doing that and maybe even making some money from from my extensions. Like, I could see uh, Dash having some some good, like, lookup stuff in Xcode with extensions. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I, I think we need to clarify, though, because Xcode Ghost wasn't just, like, some plugin that somebody distributed. Right. It that was, was a full-on redistribution of Xcode. Yeah. And yeah, those people, people got a signed version that had a bad sign that was from a non-Apple party. Yeah, they were downloading it from another source. Um, yeah, that's true. But I mean, it still it, it still opens the concern that people never would have thought of. Oh, my IDE is where I'll get compromised somehow because right. it'll inject some code. Like, oh, I don't that, know. That, that, that's the big injection vector that I don't think people were thinking of before, but because of Xcode Ghost, they're like, oh, we need to lock this down so that doesn't happen in right. different ways. And let's be honest, Apple doesn't need any help to uh, make Xcode any less stable. So, <laughs> I mean, people have been talking about compromised C compilers for decades. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, was it the NSA um, had some sort of uh, statement that Xcode could be compromised? Uh, shortly before the Xcode ghost malware. <laughs> Somewhere around there, yeah. So, you know, I don't think that's any 
surprise. And this probably does not prevent that from happening either. Apple's solution to that is they now check on submission to make sure that you're using a a valid version of Xcode. And I think Fastlane has a check in there as well to make sure that Xcode is the official Xcode. Uh, So you can add something into your Fastlane build. Yeah, I'm not saying it's like a new way to have your your code compromised, but it seemed like it was the biggest instance that that I'd ever heard of. Yeah, it's probably the the biggest instance of that, yeah, ever occurring. Uh, it it was good then Apple and and they did this with some other features as well, made didn't require it to be distributed through the app store. So you can still distribute it independently as long as it's signed. Um and they made a similar change for CloudKit, iCloud support, and some other features. So Apple's kind of acknowledging that some developers don't want to go through the App Store, but they still want to take advantage of features um, that App Store apps have had exclusive access to. So um, this is probably not not as bad as it could be, um, but certainly fairly limited. But to start yeah it, it i wish it was a, a better start a little faster start but yeah and i don't know how likely we would see apple add any additional extension points uh during the beta i think we're probably looking at you know at best case a point release sometime after september yeah i did see on twitter Somebody had posted that this was their uh, summer intern project. Yeah, in I saw year. that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and they like left some plist file in there from it. I think. <laughs> I don't know about that. I saw something about that. Yeah, I didn't see that one, but I did see the intern. Hey, <laughs> yeah, give himself a shout out. <laughs> I, he wasn't the only one working on it. Probably not. But, but. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, folks that put a lot of work into their Alcatraz plugins that are feeling a little slighted at, at the moment. But, you know, at least, you know, the ones that are applicable, I, I'm sure will get ported over fairly quickly. Uh, and then the others, uh, we'll kind of wait and see. Even some of the the popular ones, Apple just Sherlock straight up like the color literals and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. And there were a couple of things that they introduced uh, in Xcode. Uh, as Alex said, the image and color literals, uh, which, you know, is an example of what you might see an extension do. In their demo, they scanned the source code and found all the places where they could uh, replace image and color references with the literals. Uh, they also updated the the font, uh, you know, before it was Menelo. Uh, now they have the San Francisco monospace font. So I'm curious about this. The way Alcatraz worked before was it just threw a um, library inside of the Xcode folder and then Xcode loaded it and then it would be there. So is Xcode refusing to load anything not signed by Apple or is it just refusing to load unsigned binaries? Cause I, I could see app or I, I could see Alcatraz still working if they just if it signed, signed a binary. Yeah, yeah. And then it would just work the same way it did before. Well, there's like this, there's a 
like library folder that you could put like an XC plugin file, I think it was called. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it doesn't currently work with, uh, I, it says, let's see, I'm, there's an issue on Alcatraz's GitHub account, you know, about Xcode 8. And basically, uh, it says Xcode 8 uses library validation. It won't load in-process plugins anymore. Hmm. So there's a number of people who filed issues. If Alcatraz is something you depend on, then you're encouraged to uh, file a bug report as well to say you want that capability there. And and Sam, I think you're right. Uh, you know, if uh, maybe that's a a fair compromise, then if Alcatraz could be signed, it could still work. It seems like from the the slides that I read about it, though, it's more of a just having it in the process type thing because it's all like asynchronous stuff, kind of inter-process communication. Right. So an in-process plugin is not going to work in the same manner and definitely wouldn't be able to be distributed through the app store. Yeah. Which not that Alcatraz stuff was able to be distributed <laughs> right. that way. You know, creating an extension uh, for the source code editor uh in this new model is relatively straightforward you have to add a, a new target like any other extension and then there's a template for creating your own extension plugin and one of the nice things is it it'll launch when you want to debug it it'll, you can launch a second instance of xcode to test and debug your extension so that's kind of nice Fairly straightforward yeah. uh, way of working with it, mm-hmm. and the, the the API is pretty straightforward. So you you basically get the standard extension API, right? Plus a few other things. So yeah. like it'll call did did launch or something like that on your extension. Yeah, there's some lifecycle events, and then um, you get access to the the buffer. So if you want to have like a streaming. Uh, content you can do that or you can get basically a collection of lines of code as well as the selected lines and you can also when you finish you can change what's selected so you've got a mutable array of of lines and selected lines that you can manipulate so what is what kind of ui can you do in this extension that that part's not completely clear you can certainly do preferences and settings in the app that your extension is installed from uh, kind of like you do with uh, an extension on iOS you've got your host application um, where your where your settings live but uh, it's unclear whether or not you could introduce a UI into the the workflow for example you know could you create a, a custom color picker or, uh, you know, maybe you don't like storyboards, but you want to have a, a some sort of UI for uh, visually creating a, a visual formatting language in the editor. That, I, I don't know. The examples that we've seen so far are relatively limited on what they can do, and they don't show any custom UI. Uh, but I don't know if it, if it's just too early or if that's because that capability is not there. I do know that extensions need to run quickly. Uh, users have the option to cancel them 
uh, if they don't respond fast enough. Um, they are kind of non-blocking, so users can go off and do other things. So the Xcode stays as responsive as possible. But uh, the the session did not discuss or show uh, having custom UI inside of the editor. Yeah. They did show the the cancellation banner. It reminds me of those. Uh, your application is taking a long time. Would you like the force quit dialogue from Android? Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess that's better than the source kit has crashed banner. Yeah. Yeah, true. You can still do stuff. Yeah, I wonder if there's some way to notify your app that it needs to show some UI or something like that. But yeah, I guess you'd have to do it quick. Otherwise, you're going to get hit by the uh annoying little banner guy yeah yeah the a and r yeah (laughs) Yeah. i don't know i I, i'm hoping that you could do something like that because otherwise it's what your options are pretty limited um you know there's some examples out there now uh and and some good ones github has a handful of uh, contributions already for uh source editor extensions. Um, probably the most useful one right now is, I think it's called X Text Handler, and it can do things like encode and decode Base64, or uh, URL encoding, uh, and a few other things. Uh, there's one that will uh, find all the uh, emoji words in your source file and let you convert those to emojis because we all want to see that. Except that it'll only do it in that source file, not all of your source files. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, a lot of us were hoping, like, this was going to be the the avenue that some third party could come in, like, let's say, JetBrains, and create a, a refactoring plugin. Um, that's just not going to be possible currently. Uh, yeah, no, re- no re-swifter is coming. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yep. Well, it's weird because uh, when they introduced this at the in the uh, State of the Union, uh, they, I think they prefaced it by saying this is has been our number one request. So we're like, oh, sweet, Swift refactoring uh, or something like that, which I, I've got to imagine is really the, the the top request. And this is what we got. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> kind of like, uh, I don't think anyone's asking for this specifically. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't really solve many problems that that are obvious. Yeah. The IntelliJ's, IntelliJ guys are going, you call that a plug-in system? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could create a code formatter, which would be handy. I'd use that. Um, but it would only be one file at a time, which is better than nothing. I guess. <laughs> But yeah, well, if you could do it on file save, like hook into that that event, that would be great. I mean, that would you wouldn't have to worry about invoking it yourself. But yeah, no, not possible. I, I think there's a Swift formatting plugin in Alcatraz. Uh, I don't know how good it is, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I ever saw one. I know. I know somebody published one. I don't know if it was an Alcatraz plugin or not. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things, like, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to be a guinea pig for it. It might need to, a little bit more road testing. Well, it seems like a better solution for that would be, like, in, in the current state of things, would just be to have, like, a build script that, or a build phase 
a script that runs and like formats things whenever you build or something like that rather than because that's I mean that's way more convenient than having to like do a command on every single file yeah or a git hook I think you know yeah. I might trust like IntelliJ to do that with my Java code I'm not sure I trust um, a third party plugin yet to to blindly reformat all my code on commit but maybe that's just me Someday, I hope, yeah. you know, things will be mature enough. I th- you know, once Xcode can can do formatting and refactoring across Xcode and or across uh, Swift and Objective-C, um, you know, then, you know, things are a little bit more stable. Like you know, it's it's hard enough to do refactoring across one language. It's it's much harder to find all the instances of, say, uh, uh, a method name in different source, different languages, and refactor that properly. Oh, it's going to get worse. Yeah. with the the ways you can export your Objective C code to Swift and those little uh, macro handlers. Yeah, I I definitely understand it's a non-trivial problem that's getting more complicated uh, through this kind of transition period. Um, perhaps when we have an ABI, stable ABI, it'll be less of an issue. That's more about having a stable syntax, I think, which Swift three is supposed to provide. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> right. I, I, we changed our mind, heard guys. Heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I, the, that first parameter name sucks. We're going getting rid of it again. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I suspect we'll see additions to the language, but less existing things changing or going away. Yeah, that's been the the promise. It's a boy who cried wolf scenario here, though. I mean, they told us that with Swift two as well. True. So we'll see. They do it again, then we're just not going to believe them on anything. I guess they have one more shot. <laughs> Three strikes. With Swift right? one, yeah, with Swift one, they were and like this is. They changing. were pretty transparent. Like this is going to change. But we'll give you a migrator. Yeah, and then with Swift two, they were like, "All right, I think we we got it pretty pretty good now." Whoops, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys keep up with the uh, Swift evolution, uh, the open source project, but. Saw somebody tweet uh, they had their three uh, thousandth pull request. Wow, that's uh, I'm sure a lot of the pull requests are just like denied, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> you know three thousand for a project, and it's been what seven months? You know, right yeah, right around seven December. months. December. So three thousand pull requests in seven months. That's can't be easy to keep up with. No. That that wasn't one individual making three thousand pull requests, was it? No, no. Okay. I mean, a lot of them are probably bug fixes, but documentation fixes, things like that. But and a lot of probably things people created pull requests that did not make sense or weren't appropriate for the yeah. for the vision of the language. But well, one thing that's nice is that they they tag bugs with like easy to fix, so ones that people can kind of get their feet wet with yeah it's a uh, the, neat approach the funny part is that you really yeah but you have to be a c plus plus programmer to really work with the swift compiler that's not that's not a language i want to revisit anytime soon 
No. It's kind of a sad thing about Swift because the guys that are making it don't actually get to use it day to day. Oh, yeah. We've talked about it before, I think, where they uh, they were like, yeah, it'd be really nice if we could write the Swift compiler in Swift, but we don't have time. <laughs> so Right. And their migrator would have to migrate their compiler. and that. Yeah, that would be rough. So the, at the time of this recording, the most recent pull request is number 3,221. 3,108 have been closed, and there are 108 open. Hmm. I think some of the first pull requests were to change the license to GPL, but that wasn't really ever going to happen. Yeah, so there's uh, extensions that are on GitHub. We got four of them that was that in the iOS Dev Weekly well, newsletter this past week. I think most of those were in iOS Dev Weekly, um, but I just went out to GitHub and searched Xcode source editor extension and several entries were returned. I uh, picked the four that look, and I think they happen to be the same four that iOS Dev Weekly had. Just happened to be the same ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I th- definitely the X text handler and the emoji one are the same. I don't know about the others. Yeah. Well, the the X text handler one that seems to be a bit of a Swiss Army knife, which is just kind of neat. It's got some of your basic things that you would like to have that just aren't there all the time, like a, a JSON formatter, some to convert to different uh, number bases. Right. Seems cool. Not sure how useful, but seems cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you want to create a hex number and you know the actual number, like say 255, but it looks nicer to be in uh, hex. So like, like whenever I do um, RGB colors, I always use the, the text or the hex number instead of say taking my number and dividing it by 255.0 for my RGB components. Are you going to start doing the, uh, the color literals or are you going to stick with that? Well, so color literals are, are nice, I guess, but you know, 8% of men are colorblind. So they're not, <laughs> it's not going to help them very much. Yeah. And we have a couple of colorblind people on my team at work, so I'm not sure it's a great idea. Yeah, I think I prefer not to use the color literals. And Interesting. Probably not the image literals either. I like the quick look, but I don't know if I want, want to use the literals in code. I also don't want to see emojis in my code either. <laughs> You don't want to see the poo emoji? No. I mean, that's a that's a perfect thing to say. This code smells. Yeah, that's not... Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's easy to, oh. to just visually scan and, and see what's going on. I don't know. It, and maybe I'm just used to seeing just straight ASCII text, but I, I really don't want to see... The Unicode, like I wouldn't mind having literals for some other things, but colors and and images and and emojis or or something I'd rather not have. <laughs> so, which things would you like to have literals for? Um, that we don't already have. 
Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind. Like, I was kind of surprised with when Swift came out that JSON wasn't a, a first class thing. Like, there wasn't a literal for JSON. You know, like. Okay. Um, you know, and I, granted, granted, you know, JSON's just the current preference. You know, it wasn't that long ago. XML was was the the preferred uh, data transfer transfer format, but. Yeah. Uh, so I, I get that something else will come along. Um, I could see literals for things like predicates. Uh, you know. Um, yeah. You know, do we have literals for regular expressions? No, I don't believe yeah, so. That's uh, probably another thing you, you could have. Like, I think .NET has literals for SQL, or at least something like that, uh, and maybe XML. That's a whole different thing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have link. They have link, link, but I don't know. I don't know if it's a good idea or not. But like, you know, I definitely thought Swift would be a little bit more JSON friendly than it than it was. It's it's not as bad as it was at the start, but given how many applications have to talk JSON in one format or another, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's something that's just like you said, dependent on the, the current fad yeah. or trend. Like VB.net at some point added a XML literal. Yeah, and maybe that's I mean, what I was thinking of. Today? Yeah. Well, there's still some systems I don't know if you're out still there, writing. especially in the enterprise that talk XML, but yeah. you're right. Yeah, if you're writing VB.net, you might still be talking XML too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be uh, polishing your resume too. Oh, you'd be surprised. I bet there's still a ton of VB6 out there. Well, I hope not. I th- I'm sorry, all the Microsoft is. people who are listening. Yeah. <laughs> I think all two of you. I think uh, there's plenty of enterprises out there that have hundreds of VB6 apps that were developed in departments uh, that aren't easily replaced. Yeah, but that. I mean, it's a bit of a tangent here, but that writing's been on the wall for a long time. Oh, yeah. They don't even support the IDE on current versions of Windows. I was I was involved in evaluating a lot of those applications at a previous company, um, and they did have hundreds of VB apps that uh, weren't yeah. even really supported anymore by Microsoft. So it was uh, one of the I, things... I was in the same boat. Yeah, and... You know, a lot of times they don't have a way to migrate away from it. Uh, nope. so technology never really dies. It just becomes more obscure. For, for a while. Yeah. 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 So. so I guess to sum it up, uh, the Xcode source extensions is a start, but definitely not uh, everything we were hoping for. Oh, I don't think any of us were really expecting it this year. No, I was hoping more for something to completely Sherlock, say Cocoa Pods. Yeah, yeah, we but, we didn't. Yeah, we could have a whole another episode on things that we didn't see that we were hoping for. But yeah, so okay. Usually, when Apple Sherlock something, they replace it, replace a competitive competing tool with something just as good or better, right? In this case, they've kind of Sherlocked Alcatraz, but really have given us something that's nowhere near the same. So is there 
a term for killing off something but replacing it with a well, I think bad replacement. I think in re- sandboxing. <laughs> <laughs> I think in recent years, Apple has really only done eighty percent, and in most cases, the app that they're supposedly Sherlocking ends up gaining traction. Like Spotify, for example, they dramatically increased the number of signups after Apple Music was launched, uh, just because you know Apple does a great job of advertising the the need for some sort of service or technology but they only give 80 percent of the solution so they leave plenty of room open for for competitors this one however because (laughs) they're basically blocking competitors with the the signing then you know they they truly have kind of sherlocked uh things like alcatraz or maybe they maybe it's more of a new term called alcatrazing it (laughs) So, hands up, do you guys still use Alfred? Because they really Sherlocked Alfred with El Capitan. I still use it. Yeah, I, same here. I stopped using it. Uh, do you guys pay for it? I pay for it, yeah. I did pay for okay. it, yeah. I was on the fence between paying for it. Like, the free version is, for the most part, on par with uh, what you get in Spotlight. Um, but if you pay for it, then you get a, a ton of other things. And, and I think that's the differentiator. I almost paid for it and decided just to make do with what happened. I was like a big Quicksilver fan back in the day. So Alfred was a, a nice improvement over Quicksilver that was only so-so maintained in later years. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, the the killer Alfred thing is the dash integration with it because i bring up alfred hit dash hit a space type my search and then i go straight into dash code with that thing right there i probably use that 20 30 times a day yeah i've got a workflow too that uh you type like screenshot ss for screenshot and then it'll let you take a screenshot and then it'll like you can select or or whatever you get to pick how and then it'll put it in Dropbox and give you the link. And I know Dropbox has kind of tried to do a similar thing, but that it's a lot more customizable and stuff. Hmm. It's pretty nice though. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really done much with workflows other than that dash one. But so, to me, that that's the killer Alfred feature. Yeah, a bit of a tangent, but one of the improvements they made in Xcode was the documentation format. It's much cleaner uh, easier to navigate, easier easier to find what you're looking for. Is Dash going to automatically be able to take advantage of the, of this new format? I don't think it does currently. And there's there's a ton of applications like that, like Dash. Um, you know, one password, for example. Uh, now that apps outside of the App Store can get access to Outlook iCloud, uh, one password could be updated again for Mac, could be updated again to, to use iCloud. Uh, right after they already <laughs> went through all that work. To yeah. Now that, oh, yeah. They haven't made any statement yet whether or not. Like, I, I've been looking at their tweets and their blog posts to see if they're planning on adding that support back in. Um, you know, there's uh, Mac Paul's uh, Clean My Mac and uh, Gemini which arguably is a good chunk of their functionality is Sherlocked. 
uh, with the new Apple file system. So a lot of things that they do in their utility apps, the new Apple file system will pretty much do for you. But they at least had a post out there saying that what, what they plan to do and that they're actually looking forward to not having to maintain uh, that functionality anymore and, and do other things to make users' lives better. Yeah. And that, that was a positive. HFS, HFS Plus is a file system that was based on HFS, and that that thing's a few decades old now. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of cruft built into it. Yeah. It'll be nice to switch over to a, a new file system. Yeah, so it's, it'll be interesting to see what some of these Mac developers do to embrace uh, these changes or if they'll just see it as, as being Sherlocked. But generally, you know, I think we've seen in recent years that Sherlocking has not necessarily been a bad thing for some of these developers. They've, they've actually done better after Apple has added new features. So that, that compete with their apps. Hopefully that's true for most of the developers this year. Alcatraz, unfortunately, yeah. doesn't look like it's going to be one of those. Nope. They've been Alcatrazed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Argo, just another little side note. You you uh, loaded up the beta on your main driving machine. I did. Did you also convert to the Apple file system? No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I I was crazy enough to install all the betas I did. I don't. Can you actually convert now? I didn't even look into try to see if I could. I I heard you could convert in place, but I don't know if that's in the current seed or not. Uh, anyone who would do that, I think, is insane. I guess unless you have a backup that you are prepared to go back yeah. to immediately, because <laughs> or you, you I do don't think I'm going to do that when it's released version 2.0. I'll probably just rebuild from scratch and yeah, I don't, I don't trust that one bit. I've, I've had so many issues in the past with like screwing up file systems. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'd happily try to find a, another machine or a bigger hard drive that I could partition, but unfortunately uh, that's not an option right now. Hopefully soon new hardware. Really soon. Yeah. I really hope it's soon. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I guess it won't come out until they actually are ready to release OS 10.12. I can't bring myself to really say Sierra. Or it's Mac OS 10.12 now. Yeah. I have, a, I have a hard time Mac saying OS, Sierra. Mac OS Sierra. Just say it. No. Just get just, used just to it. Own it, Sam. Nope. Hey. You got over iPhone. You can get over that. Well, I don't think I ever had any trouble with iPhone. All right. What about iPad? You've you've come to terms with that. It did remind me of a diaper for a while. All right. Well, before we get any <laughs> any worse on this, uh, I think that's about all the time we have this week. Uh, so why don't you guys tell me where we can find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And I'm at Sam Corder on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo, and the podcast is at Shared Inst. Uh, come join us in our Slack. Uh, just get an invite going to chat.sharedinstance.com, and we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>